0: The hype train is Chee-choo. and we're like,
1: oh my god, this' terrible. Oh. We're so
0: good. can we just stop that crap. Ireland could win the World Cup. Let's be honest. Oh we? shame, it could no. Why are we so afraid no. of this?
1: OTB AM live weekday mornings from seven thirty on the OTB Sports app.
2: Just a slight tangent on, on that. <laughs> this is a. This is far too much of a tangent. Just a brief interruption. Can I also say one more thing on this, But But uh, we also need to impose some rules. Like, we can't just have 20 minute tangents over a text. Come on. This is refusal to consider the circumstances. I'm not going to entertain that, Joe. This conversation is not a good one, I think. Do we argue much? No. We keep them inside. they fester. <laughs> See, I thought this was a ridiculous text until I read the top three, and then I thought, Come you know on. what, oh, yeah. I'd actually debate that with you. It is an interesting... Sorry, it's not an interesting question, but... Uh, <laughs> Let's make that clear.
1: <laughs> I love the sound of a snooker referee counting up the score.
2: Well, Against All Odds, a slight tangent has returned. Team OTB, PM slash FM bring a production meeting of sorts to the air, minus all of the defamation, most of the gossip and some of the swearing. You're very welcome. Mick McCarthy is here. Hello. Hello, Joe. We ride again, Mick. Will O'Callaghan, hello. Happy to be back.
3: Yeah, I I like the way you're kind of saying Against All Odds this is back, despite the fact we would have tangented away if you hadn't been away for a couple of weeks. My
2: apologies. Mm. Arthur O'Dea. How dare you, Joe. Is in the house. Arthur, Hello. How are you, Joe? That was very smooth. Too smooth, really. It's not the MO of the slight tangent. <laughs> very <laughs> smooth. Will I uh, kick things off with some emails? Emails. Some long overdue emails. Apologies. Uh, there's been a bit of a break. A slight tangent at offtheball.com is where you can get us. A lovely quality of email, I would say, coming in, in the main. Uh, so first email, no particular order. It's from a Joey and starts by saying to Joe and team, which is, of course, the correct opening to these emails. What's Joey, become of the tangent ears here? Uh, <laughs> Joey is a baby kangaroo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, just
0: us. <laughs> what?
1: Has
2: that got to do with anything? We said, ah, Joey. <laughs> to be fair. All time low. Uh, yeah, Joey is a baby kangaroo. Proceed. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Williams always calls me Joey. I have to say, I oh, really yeah. like it.
0: He thinks of you as a baby kangaroo. Mm. <laughs> he call me as a youngster, anyway. Rob Carney, Robbie.
2: Mm. I think it's a bit it. like the Manchester United dressing room. Everything ends with a Y and he makes it work. Keeny mm. really didn't work, did it? <laughs> <But> <laughs> no, that's, that's an English thing, whereas in Ireland we tend to end with O. Oh, I was here Dave back.
0: Like, yeah, 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 yeah keeny come in dressing room. It's like, Keeney.
3: Yeah. Um, it's is has Rob Kearney Easter. ever pulled him up and called him Robbie Kearney?
2: No, because when Matt does it, there's such charisma at play, it's lovely. No one else calls me Joey, but I mean, <laughs> rock on Matt is all I have to As play. of tonight, yeah. Yeah. Uh, really glad a slight tangent uh, has continued. It's excellent, says uh, Joey. Uh, I've tried to change my phone. Oh, we won't dwell on this. This was already done the last time. Uh, my apologies. <laughs> Probably because it's been abandoned. Yeah. Well, sorry, I can talk about that if you want. I've tried to change my phone routine since the new year, but I haven't gone as extreme as getting a brick phone like Joe. Deleted all apps from my phone except WhatsApp, uh, my bank, and Spotify. It's been great. I'm sleeping better, no scrolling. And a few days at the uh, after a few days uh, at the start of all I was picking up my phone. I now go hours without looking at it, but I still have access to my money and podcasts. It also leads to an old school way of hearing news. I had no idea Jao Felix had joined Chelsea until the news round. It was an odd experience these days. Uh, my question is about long throw-ins. Naturally. (laughs) That was a tangent. Uh, So often we see the centre back put the uh, ball, or centre back thrown up front, and either no cross is swung in or it's lumped 60 yards forward to them in hope. A long throw actually gives them a chance, as much chance as a corner kick or free kick, and it keeps the pressure on uh, without having to recycle the ball from side to side after a quick throw. Is it just deemed unfashionable in a time when every team wants to play perfect passing football? I say, let the chaos begin launch it in there keep up the excellent work I would agree with him I think it's a very effective tactic and it is deemed unfashionable and beneath uh, managers and so it's not really used but I mean as Arsenal Arsenal knew uh, for a long time uh, on their visits to Stoke it's hard to defend against chaos
1: Liverpool have or certainly had a throw-in coach specialist though didn't they Yeah. so there must be you think some argument against it just throwing it in simply to keep it that there's obviously a... Well, I don't know either why it doesn't. Obviously Ireland do it and the, the women's team do it with Megan Campbell. The email oh, did mention that actually. It, it launches right in And yeah. same obviously back to Rory de Lapp. But there must be something more than it just being
0: unfashionable. People saw how effective it was like with Pulis and Stoke. Mm. Because the throw-in, I think, is mainly seen as a, a restart and a, <clears throat> an ability to keep possession and has to be done right. Like my biggest criticism of Ireland for years was that they didn't know how to take a throw-in. Every Ireland would get a throw it would be a disaster situation it would be closed down it would take a minute and they'd just hoof it up the line and we'd lose possession mm-hmm. um, so it's obviously more important than just like an opportunity for a cross it also needs to be done right you know like I mean I I know I do this too much but to bring it back to um, or to ye. Villa sorry right? <laughs> the, the other thing I do I, no but Stephen Gerrard this, uh, in his managerial wisdom um decided that long throws were a way forward for Villa but they didn't have anybody to to do it so like Matty Cash was brought in to but he couldn't throw the ball far okay. and it was a real problem and they went on for months he was going over to the left hand side it would take five minutes for Villa to take a throw as Matty Cash made it over from right back to the left wing position to take a throw in that would hit the first man so there is a lot of that but I do agree with you about the unfashionable thing that is where I think that like that question is interesting to me because we over I think we make football, you know, the, whatever the fashionable thing is, that is, the only way to play at, at any given time. And it's like, yeah, a long throw is, a, if it's incredible, if you have somebody to do it, yeah.
2: then it's incredibly right. useful. And why not do it just because you think it's agricultural or whatever? I do wonder if increasingly you'd find a dressing room of players very much with their arms crossed saying, that's our tactic again, yeah, you probably don't want it to be your only tactic. It's true.
3: Well, I wonder how many top teams actually have someone who has the weapon of a very long throw, though, and know. aren't actually making use of them. I don't know, but that is the, that's the key question. Rory De Lapps don't grow on trees. Who
0: was the ori- original long throw merchant before Rory Lap?
2: Gary Nelby could launch one. You wouldn't say he was the original.
0: There was a specific guy. He had a towel controversy and everything. It was whether he was allowed to dry the balls. Jason Kumas. Yeah. Do you remember him? He used to play for, he was a Welsh player, he played for, I think it was Tranmere when they went on cup runs. But there was a big thing, he was like the Rory lap of his day, there was a big thing. But Mick McCarthy was the answer I was looking for. Mick yeah. McCarthy used to launch a long throw in, Ronnie Whelan's volley came from Mick McCarthy's long true. throw.
2: Chaos is chaos. I mean, there will still always be a place in GAA for a long ball into full forward, who even if he doesn't win it clean, just... Creates yeah. that bit of anarchy.
3: I always enjoy the clubs that actually facilitated a long thrower as well, where they would move the hoardings back ever so slightly or maybe bring the line a little bit forward. And even around, particularly around Roy de Lapp, Stoke had it down to an art form where there was always a ball boy with the towel oh, yeah. very close to where the ball would go to play. And like a long throw, as unfashionable as it might be, if you've got someone with the skill, you can actually launch the ball in at a much better angle than you can from a corner you would be far more effective. In the FA Cup a few weeks ago, there was a team doing it and again, everyone had to drop back into the box. Yeah. It's very, very difficult to actually defend. Miserable to defend
0: against. Megan Campbell won against Scotland that night. I know she does it more often than that, but those ones,
2: were the most unplayable ones I've ever seen. The angle was incredible. We'll push on. Jack McGrath uh, wondered when the inevitable Kenny Cunningham slight tangent crossover is happening. We've had that request several times over. We will make it happen. How it has to happen is we don't tell Kenny in advance we're doing it because he'll say, no, no way no way <laughs> but if he finds himself in it he'll be the greatest, greatest tangenteer of all uh, so Fergo wonders am I the only one who uh, think this is about GAA what if there was no GAA who uh, wonders what if players could choose different paths it's hard not to think Hugo Keenan wouldn't be an exceptional full forward or Conor Callan an exceptional full back Caelan Dorris playing for Mayo Aidan O'Shea lining up for Ireland rugby team Louise Galvin Lindsay Pete, Hannah Tyrrell have all done it is David Clifford Johnny Sexton's long term replacement I personally would love to see Bundy Ackie line lining for Galway. What a full forward line that would be. Walsh, comer, Aki. Basically, I want the toughest trade taken one step further. Cheers, Fergal. I like um, the toughest yeah. trade. It's a nice idea. Not sure. <laughs> Just as an
0: aside. Edna Shea is always the guy he was on that show.
2: Yeah. Why is he always
0: included in these
2: things? Because he's so physically gifted. Mm. I mean he's Kaelin Doris, isn't he? Yeah. I did pose the question on Monday Night Rugby: If Caelan Doris hadn't gone to Black Rock, if he'd stayed in Ballinard, County Mayo, a place close to my own heart, would we know his name?
3: Maybe not as a rugby player, but he might have been a good Gaelic footballer, though. Yeah, probably. You see, when they did when they did the toughest trade, I think they deliberately went to look for some of the most blessed, athletic GA players that were available to them. So, Aidan O'Shea, Lee Chin, and Michael Murphy. Where in theory, all of them seem really well set to play another sport. And even when Michael Murphy was over at Clermont Laverne, they were very happy with the way that he was testing on a lot of the physical stuff, but just his rugby knowledge just wasn't there. In Lee Chin's case, I think he struggled to skate was his biggest problem. And Aidan O'Shea actually did quite well in the combine bits. Essentially, he went to a mini NFL draft and they ran him through some of the different bits of the combine. His jumping stats were good, his running stats were good. It's just he, again, lacked that immersion within the sport. I don't don't
2: think anyone, even Fergal, is contemplating a switch this late in their career. He's more saying if they had Gone to the GA field that day instead of rugby. What well, might have been? Same point with Doris. Would have wow. been weird for Bundyaki to do that. Yes. would have. All right, yeah, yeah. Um,
3: would you really want Hugo Keenan at full forward though? Surely you really want Hugo Keenan at wing back. Yeah, I would have thought wing back. And why is Conal Callaghan going to full back
2: in rugby? Don't know. Don't know.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: now, now you're really confused with things. No, I thought the but same thing. Reading Con, yeah, a bit of a centre, I'd say. Isn't I would have he?
3: thought so too. Yeah, yeah.
2: It was always very striking when David Clifford talks about playing football and. You're, I remember interviewing him thinking oh yeah how many would you score in a season he was like no I was a really average centre half mm. in football that's been that yeah you would
0: yeah it's funny that's strange normally people are good across the board at what they do yeah when they, but maybe he just played Gaelic football all the time always number one and just sort of threw his hand a little bit of football
2: when I was over at the Olympics in 2012 I came across Martin Johnson playing five a side Astro yeah didn't quite translate. Not quite the ball player that David Clifford is though.
0: <laughs> you know, I was kind of like more of an athlete. I would he was say. pointing
2: with authority. <laughs> I'd say he was, yeah. Uh, Good leader no matter
0: what sport you're playing.
2: Last email. Keep them coming in by the way. It is nice to get them and they often uh, bail us out when we haven't thought of things to talk about. But we do have lots to talk about this evening. Uh, hey lads, this might be a bit too deep for the segment. No, give us the depth. We want the depth. Uh, but it could be a good platform for it too. My two favourite segments are this one and Sunday paper review, mainly because guests tend to speak off the cuff on various subjects. So this oh. is the man who does preparation. Not a common link there.
3: Hmm.
2: No, no. <laughs> 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 the email from a Jay Malloy. I hadn't spotted that. <laughs> so he mentioned a recent Sunday paper review, Dion and Tommy. Uh, they were talking about Roy Keane and this was on the back of the Tommy Tiernan interview and, and Roy not quite opening up. And the lads were reflecting on that and uh, talking about his decision to stop drinking and the way we talked about it. And he said, You seem to suggest it would be interesting and would open the door to a deeper Roy Keane if they knew why he'd stopped drinking. I've skin in the game here because I had to stop drinking in 2018. I was a full blown addict. I played junior football and to this day I haven't told my teammates I don't drink anymore for fear of judgment. I make the usual excuses uh, I'm driving. I want to go to the gym in the morning, not feeling well, etc. I feel like the culture of addressing mental health and depression has changed in Ireland for the better. But not drinking is still a weird taboo. What's wrong with your man? As I sit with the Lucozade, has been said to me countless times. You've interviewed dozens of athletes on the topic of addiction. And for all that, I applaud you. But to the ordinary man in his 30s playing amateur sport, whether it be G A or soccer in Ireland, it is still weirdly almost frowned upon. Thoughts. Cheers. Brian. Uh, P.S. I listened to a slight tangent on the way home from AA meetings. So if this got read out, I would laugh. Addicts have a sense of humour too, you know.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I had thought this had really changed. Uh, the days of going out, not drinking, I had thought were now. Yeah, I get that.
1: Mm. Yeah, I would have thought so too. All right, yeah, I, sp- I suppose you just didn't. I, I, more so, I probably would have thought you just probably wouldn't go and do it or put yourself in positions where you'll be expected to drink, so.
2: But if you were out quiet pint or two or three, that territory, not a big night out. Yeah. And one person at the table was either drinking a non-alcoholic beer or was just having a Coke. I'd be surprised if in this day and age there was a... What are you doing? What are you not drinking? I feel like that day's gone, no? Do you not think that you'd ask?
1: I feel if it was, say, three people and one wasn't drinking.
2: Might depend on how well you knew them. If they drank every other time the previous 20 yeah, times yeah. you were out, then you may be might ask. Well that's but what you, I was going to say. If you say. just realised if, if oh, well he never drinks. Do I think he'd be, Oh I think you probably get used yeah. to it yeah. Like, it's not that strange, is it? Now, this is sorry, this is This is his lived
0: experience though as well, you know, Ryan's I think lived there's, experience, there's yeah. different um yeah, I suppose there's different groups and there's different people that you'll drink with and maybe there is a little bit of that. Like I've definitely seen it. Sure. I kind of agree with you that it might be on its way out and it's less in my experience that I've seen it than, than than previously, but I mean Growing up, as I say, growing up, like, you know, from the time you were drinking in pubs, like, it was a regular thing that people were hounded about why they weren't <laughs> drinking. You know, I was like, what are you doing? What are you drinking that for? You know what I mean? It's like, just like, even doing a few nights yourself, you know, when you're just like, you know, you can maybe didn't have any money in college or whatever, you just wanted a break or whatever, and you'd be drinking, like, a ribine or something like that. Jesus,
2: the questions, like. Yeah. Like you were some sort of... Weirdo. It would become a talking point, I'll give you that. Mm. Maybe that's youth. I think that's probably gone now. your 30s, if anyone's at that crack. No, it's true, yeah. Jeez, I never heard that, no, I never heard that happening. Really? (laughs) Mm. I, you know, in your early (laughs) 20s, you'd need a good explanation, I think. It's just peer pressure, you know?
3: Yeah. I I can understand that perception from the email writer as well because maybe they were that person 10 years ago where they would have wondered why one of their mates especially if they're playing junior football you're all back to the pub afterwards why is that guy not having a drink why is this guy the designated driver every week what's going on and maybe he feels in his head that he's going to be questioned even if those questions are unlikely to actually happen I could more understand if Brian felt it would be interesting to get your thoughts Brian
2: if Brian felt there's still a taboo about addiction as opposed to Mental health now, which is so openly discussed, and there's such an awareness of it. But I think would you be sh- would you be shyer about saying, "Oh no, I was an addict"? Yeah, I think is, there, is there a heaviness to that word, addict? That's probably a bit different. Yeah, you would probably be a bit more conscious.
0: It certainly invites questions. Yeah, yeah, but it also might be maybe you don't want to talk about that, and even just a mild mannered, good natured question on, I won't know. Do you not drink, or you know? Invites that entire conversation, or or the need, as he points out, to hide it with a lie of some kind, or even like a, you know a soft lie about driving or whatever. Um, so I'd imagine even if there's nobody needling at you or having a go at you or even being in any way inappropriate, that still becomes a pressure yeah. on somebody. And it's it's
2: a big topic to casually get into routine. Oh,
0: yeah. Especially, like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you're not talking about, like, always here, your best mates, you're playing a bit of junior ball. Yeah. It's with kind of casual acquaintances that you're kind of getting to know in some ways. Even if you've been playing with them for years, you sort of do, you play a bit, play a few matches, you do a bit of training, you might go out and socialise with them every now and then. You don't know them all that well, and then it's a big change of night discussion, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's very personal. And really, like, it's something so to be celebrated. Oh, yeah. You know? I actually don't think, I, that's the funny thing, I think once you got past that part, I find that's where I think we definitely have changed. I don't think there's a huge amount, look I could be wrong, I don't know, but I would imagine that there isn't a huge amount of blowback to that kind of revelation, No you know, or they, pressure or anything. Yeah. No, of course not, but I don't, think that, I don't think anybody would be anything but supportive, you know. Yeah. Is there a lot, do you guys find that there's a lot of, um, that there's still a lot of drink associated with playing sport in Ireland? at a lower level, that it's a part of it. You play sport, there's a part of that that's almost an expectation that drink is a part of it, even if it's, even if it's not drinking, even if it's the yeah. ban. Yeah. And then the going mad. I remember there was, a, there was a judge in Galway a few years ago who made a big point of like talking about GEA drink bans and saying like every September, the place goes absolutely mad mm. because everybody's off the leash almost, you know? It almost like fetishised yeah.
2: drink. It really did.
3: And then I, I that, that leads to the idea definitely with NGA of oh, they didn't get home until five o'clock on the Monday after they won the county final or the Monday club stretched into the end of the week yeah. because of that because these guys are denied this for a prolonged period of time and yeah. whatever about Intercounty I always think it's bizarre when club teams have drink bans Yeah I
2: suppose it does make to the extent that drink runs through every aspect Bassett, of yeah. society Yeah, yeah. Like it, everything a, a christening let's all go get drunk you know uh, and sort of like even uh, so much talk around the rugby is how much uh, people go to get drinks during mm. the game and to what extent it's affecting the atmosphere. And, oh, it's a lunchtime kickoff, people won't have had a few pints, so the atmosphere won't be as good. Like we casually refer to it almost at every pit yeah. stop. I've seen it a lot in, at, at
0: matches actually, whatever about playing sport, where it's like the centerpiece of what you've come for becomes less important. And it's like I've seen people leave games early because they've wanted to go back to the pub. Yeah, you know and games that were in the melting pot and that's why we're
2: there it's funny Jerry Tornley, it's Yeah, not always great but yeah. like it's true you Jerry Thornley made the point that like a lot of people got out of the Aviva early you know raced to the pub as opposed to let's applaud the lap of honour mm. yeah I mean thinking about the queues isn't there received a uh, kind of wisdom anecdotal or otherwise that the younger generation aren't drinking as much as we did that for the first time it's, it's turning and I think mm. the point has also been made that drug use
3: might be up in its place. <laughs>
1: mm. <laughs> Ideal. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to get rid of it.
3: Vice completely like. Hmm. It is a bit weird though how drink culture is still permeating throughout society. Though I was even thinking last week where I was meeting a maid of mine around half past four and the coffee shops in Dublin were pretty much exclusively closed at that point. It seems really weird that the pub becomes one of the only places that you can actually go as a casual meeting spot. Yeah. Which is very different culturally to, say, if you're out somewhere elsewhere in Europe where there are other spaces that you can go to rather than the pub. We still gravitate naturally towards the pub all you know, the time. It's,
2: it's so funny you say that. Actually, uh, me and Fionn went to get a coffee at half five and we, we tried three places before. Half five in Dublin before you yeah. get a coffee. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it's quite late maybe to get a coffee. But um, I remember a couple of years ago and when you're talking about spaces, uh, a couple of years ago, I, 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 I don't know why, I was I was on my own and I would worked the next day and I was just so, I just wanted to get out of the apartment almost. So I hopped on my motorbike went to town buzzing around I was thinking, where will I go? It's funny, you know, zip in the Temple Bar, Keys area. It was pretty grim, kind of 11 p.m. territory. And I thought, where do I get a coffee? And I remember that the Starbucks on Stephen's Green was uh, 24 hour or certainly open yeah. very, very late. And so I thought, oh, I'll park there and pitch up there and go in and, and, and read a book or something. And it was awash with, I, 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 I would say, you know, Brown faces of the, uh, you know, Muslim faith would be my guess. So like, uh, and it was packed mm. and it was so lovely. Everyone sitting there was chatting. Clearly nobody had a drink taken, nobody was drunk. And it was like such an odd atmosphere for 11pm onto midnight mm. on a Saturday evening. And I do remember thinking, my God, we could have this, we have this all wrong. Yeah. And that's actually when I was in the Middle East, actually, years and
0: years ago on a holiday. I was just in, in Dubai and that's what like Starbucks at night time is that's the socialising place that's where people go you know what I mean no. I know a different thing yeah yeah but with, no it's yeah. the
2: same thing But and like with no hint of antisocial behaviour no air of anything in the air whereas honestly two kilometres down the road yeah, yeah. <laughs> be careful but where you're walking the point on what else is there
0: to do is is so I was saying that to you earlier like I mean not really so much now but when I used to, we did the shift a long time Joe and a long time ago and you know I was in my 20s and You know, by the time, you know, like single and like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, by Thursday, you'd want to go for a pint. You want to do something because what else were you going to do after work? You weren't like, you know, you didn't have to be up the next morning. We were working basically two to ten on the shift. And that was because the amount of days like Tuesday and Wednesday is like, oh, I don't feel like going home. What will I do? And like, you couldn't go to the cinema. You can't go to like you can't go for a coffee as you said, and maybe sit down and read a book. There's nothing you can do in this city, and therefore the rest of the country, obviously, outside of going to the pub mm. at night time,
2: restaurant. So, maybe. so people
0: work well. Yeah, going to a restaurant at ten o'clock at night. There's not many places you go during the week. No, yeah. that'll sit you at that time. You know what I mean? And even then, like you know, that's something. <laughs> you know, um, but that I isn't ideal. But I, there are people who work outside. Like we're not the only ones who work outside of nine to five. And it's a pretty big city, Dublin. Mm. You know what I mean? by Like even by international standards. Like, you know, you're talking like, you know, we're coming up on like a two million population and there is nothing to do other than go drinking.
2: I guess you could go to the pub and not drink. Fine, but okay, but
0: that's the again. It's the the culture I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like it's drink
2: first. I don't have to drink when I'm there. But that's what are where they, I'm are, going. in other cities, are they what they're starting? Uh, they're, they have the tapas out in Madrid at half eleven, midnight. That kind of a culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can do everything all night in all these
0: places. You go to the cinema in New York at two o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? I'm not sure there's a market <laughs> for it here, but
3: like L- London, especially, is it's very
0: taxi driver. <laughs>
3: yeah, okay, well, I, don't
0: mean, <laughs> that's, that, I mean, current New York, Arthur, not uh the
3: CD 90s. <laughs> he was single, he said. <laughs> <laughs> London's a 24-7 city. I appreciate it's a lot bigger than Dublin, but still, yeah. like there's transport all night, there's things to do in London all the time yeah. that you don't necessarily have within Dublin. And European cultures, I think things go quite, quite a bit later. Like if Spain is the example, everything happens much later in Spain. Nightclubs yeah. don't close till Fair like enough. 4, I, 5 a.m.
2: I, I won't disagree on the auction point at all, but having said that, you know, I thought of going for that Thursday night pint. Jesus, that's nice too. Like it's
0: not. No, I don't. I, I, I don't think we're all evil. Don't ban all pubs. <laughs> yes, yeah. That, Thursday night that sounds home, lovely. Why don't yeah. we do that? That's <laughs> fair point. You're you're not here. It's <laughs> a lot <for> harder. <laughs> but It's a lot harder to find.
1: Contrarily, but like a lot harder to find a pub in those countries. Okay. Like much more difficult. Yeah. Especially if you're walking through like, we could go to Italy like a fair bit, love going there. But it's like, so you can find a great place to go get a coffee or gelato or whatever else late at night.
2: Yeah.
1: But God help you if you're just looking to sit inside a pub and just get a drink. Yeah, so. Like there is something lovely about that culture as well. Does that come down to climate? Am I mad to think that? That it's like, it's just a different thing, that Uh, it's hotter during the day. Like, and I don't know, maybe that's kind of too simplistic. Because as you're saying, London and, I remember even living I used to live off Edgware Road which obviously in the last while has kind of it's a, largely it's all kind of shisha bars and different Middle Eastern restaurants and stuff so it's completely that as you see outside Starbucks but just the whole way up and it's incredible like it's mm. just so different no pub on the road at all mm. it used to be completely different the opposite it used to be full of Irish pubs and stuff didn't it
2: <laughs> all gone now yeah <laughs> I'm sure climate does have something to do with it you know it affects so much. I, I, like, uh, why like do things start off in a certain trajectory? Uh, we had to take a break. That was just the emails. That was more than a, a tangent. There are some texts in just to sign off for a moment. On was a Tranmere player, but it wasn't Kumas. No, I got that R-space. Uh, so do you know who it was? Dave Chaloner. Okay. But I did have to look <laughs> it up. I didn't remember his name.
0: Um, but I mean, in
2: Kildare knew. Yeah Lads, Dave Chaloner is the Trammer player who could throw the ball really far
0: I think Kumas was their good player and Dave Chaloner was their gimmick player and then that was Trammer who kept making <laughs> cup finals
1: So much for giving some sort of props to the throw-ins the gimmick <laughs> <And his
0: insult. laughs> Oh, do you know what else Dave Chaloner did? He was like a left back who could throw the ball Let's far Let's get him
2: on the show some night it was Honestly, he was so famous that I thought he was Jason Kumas. And Brian and Waterford on the long throw-in point Gary Stevens had an effective long throw for Everton and England in the 80s Thank you, Brian. Uh, Any texts in, get them in 53106 on the drink conversation or more besides. Uh, We will get back to sports. Sorry, we went off it slightly there. Thanks for the email, uh, Brian. I hope this does give you a laugh on the way home from AA. Uh, Been an interesting week for Pep. It seems Manchester United may go the way of Qatar. There is Liam Brady. Loving uh, rugby ticket prices. We'll get to some of those, if not all, in just a moment. Max, so a slight tangent is coming at you. Myself, Mick, Arthur and Will here. Spurs are 1-0 down, by the way. It's nil all in Paris between Bayern and PSG. Pep Guardiola has caught our attention this week for obvious reasons. So, came out today, apologised to Stephen Gerrard. I don't know if we have the audio, Pete, do we? We do, okay. So, here we go. I mean, this uh, was at the start of the press conference in advance of tomorrow's game. So, here's a bit of Pep coming at you.
4: I apologise to Stephen Gerrard for my unnecessary and stupid comments I said the last time about uh, him he knows how I admire him and his career, what he has done for for this country. That I am living in training session. I am training. I am a shape of myself. What I said because he doesn't deserve it. I truly believe my my comments. What I said uh, in my previous conference about I defend my club, but uh, I didn't represent my club well, uh, putting his name in this stupid comment so i apologize i said to him personally but like i comment publicly i have to do it here as well so i'm so sorry for him from alex his wife kids family because uh it was stupid
2: i think perhaps in for a fairly intense few months somehow yeah. this is where he is at day eight he's been pretty shook yeah, so a little bit shook. I thought he was sincere when he said, I'm ashamed of myself. I like, think so too. Like, I, I, I've i strayed into something a bit nasty. Why did I do that kind of
1: thing? It struck me at the point when he said it initially, made the comment first, that I was like, that's a bit odd. That's not even your fight. And you're not... There's that weird thing, though, with Guardiola and that whole era that you kind of... It's almost like a second mark when he comes in because it's sort of like what the. The evolution to what they wanted from get go was what he symbolises, yeah. and then a the little bit before is a little bit of a preamble. I don't think anyone takes that city and this city the exact same in terms of what they've no. done. Part one is not a dynasty. No, this one's taken it to the next level. So I think he feels a kind of ownership for the whole thing, and I presume that's what was kind of sold to him. But it doesn't. um That was weird, and it was kind of unbecoming to kind of say it initially. Just mm. well, there's no gain in that, like, and you know, and I presume that's reflective. I'm not following how it's going kind of online, but I presume that's reflective a lot of things. Obviously there was a lot of people like I suppose Lucas Leva, Jose Enrique and stuff tweeting afterwards about get their medal and I suppose it probably all gets tied up into that but I, I think he was, I think he probably on reflection was a bit embarrassed yeah. that he'd gone down that route and wanted to bring it back because he, 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 like, he lives with these people in whatever small little global thing you know they have mm. that it's like he'll have to encounter that. That's, you know, it's just not really it's not great. I know I heard you on the news around right? makes different thoughts on it though.
2: Well, I took it to be very sincere and Mick, we'll come to you in a second. Don't bother.
3: Um, <laughs> I think Pep is particularly defensive and we've spoken to him a few times about the fact that Man City built the infrastructure around him by bringing in Cheeky Bergestein and bringing in Serrano as their CEO. So therefore, the defence that he was making on Friday was you have accused my people of wrongdoing so therefore i'm going to defend my people mm. i wonder how aware pep was about the conversation around his comments that he made before when he said if i found out that city have lied to me i'll walk out tomorrow um and then obviously you have to double down a little bit that on friday and say i'm more determined than ever i'm going to stay here and we're going to prove you wrong and this is our backs against the wall i'm not sure man city bankrolled in the way that they are sit very well as an underdog I think that's probably rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way and then the embargoed came, comments came out about Stephen Gerrard which were just like totally off a cliff he'd gone way too far mm. to comment about something that happened even before he was in charge in a weird way you'd expect that of Pep's former nemesis in Mourinho to bring up something like this slip but the fact that Pep had no control over that whatsoever that's before he even came to the club mm. felt totally unnecessary and nasty but we have seen this from Pep Guardiola from time exactly. to time before Exactly
0: I, look I mean Arthur makes a good point about his contrition there and maybe that's the case and maybe I said in the news round that I thought he was attention seeking you know maybe not but the idea that the Gerard thing is some sort of out of character thing from Guardiola he goes up at that press conference he's liable to say anything mm. you know he just goes on the on the attack all the time this is not the first time he said something like this and maybe it was just one of the weirder ones and it jarred a little bit yeah because you know what the hell has Gerard got to do with anything in this scenario, but I, I think I think Pep is very like that. I, I really do. I don't think there's anything strange about that at all. And the like, I, I remember thinking, that's a weird comment, but not thinking, God, Pep's really let himself down here. I just felt it was par for the course with him. Mm.
1: What else has he said?
0: I can't, I knew you were going to ask me that. It's, <laughs> a very, it, it's a very fair question, but I, I, I actually don't have an example, but I just know, I've just heard that tone before where he's just sarcastic and choppy. Yeah. about about really legitimate questions, and he gets kind of like, "Well, what are we supposed to do?" You know, everybody thinks that we're doing this. That's fine. That's fine. I don't mind. I don't mind. That's fine. And I'm, look, obviously, I'm paraphrasing a, a, an imaginary conversation here, but it's you. I think people know what I'm talking about. I do think people know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's not. I don't have an exact
3: example of twenty eleven Champions League ahead of the first leg against Real Madrid stands out. Happened in a different language but Pep got incredibly sarky towards the media ahead of that game. He'd been baited there, hadn't he? Yeah, well like Mourinho was obviously digging away at him all the time but Pep, again, got very personal about Real Madrid, got very personal about the Real Madrid squad. This is not beyond him to do this and there's been so many times he's had moments with the media in England and I wonder was it just English journalists and maybe the way they were framing their questions to him that sometimes he would be incredibly short with them on a Friday. Pep does this when the pressure comes on to Pep Guardiola. He's no, he re- does. He's remarkably charming. And I remember Aguero's last game and we could never replace him and there's all these nice moments. But when Pep Guardiola feels the pressure, that sarcastic and slightly bitey side to Guardiola comes out. No, happens just, to Jurgen Klopp as well. This isn't every just a personal manager. thing. No, I accept on. that, but I just yeah. thought, well, kudos for a sincere apology. Possibly, yeah.
0: Time. No, that's fair yeah. enough. I, I don't have much time for Daniel Levy. But like he had a cut at him that was absolutely outrageous I at no the weekend. On. Yeah. You know say? what I mean? He said he basically said that this is all a conspiracy of people who don't like where we are, and Daniel Levy and the like. You know, that's a, again. I'm You're paraphrasing. paraphrasing. What no, you know? what but I mean, like but it's, it's like, it's like, this is a conversation He's that we're like having. I don't have dies, the exact notes. Said, in paraphrasing.
2: Of but I he, he,
0: lo- he lumped. He, 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 looked, he looked, in. looked like Levy into this like conspiracy that he has. But this is again, this this is like a dig at Levy. When Pep Guardiola knows whether whether Manchester City are innocent or not, he knows that this. Just stopping out.
2: Lord Panic is listening. Proceed with caution.
0: Whether Manchester City are uh, innocent or not of these charges that have been levelled at them, over a hundred charges by the Premier League, he knows that they are coming from at least a place where they are legitimate charges that yeah. still have to be proven. Yeah, okay? okay, so he is now launched into this attack as the you know the the poor me. If they ever did anything wrong, I will leave. But. I defend my club and everybody everybody is the villain except me mm-hmm. and us in this scenario. He knows that there's something to this, that these, these questions at least have to be answered. And Manchester City, we know, have not been answered them. They've been, in fact, blocking. And this is why it's taken four years, because yeah. they did—they weren't forthcoming. So I mean, must these are just that. things we know. These are things we are even allowed to say at yeah. the moment, you know. And the idea that Pep can be on his high horse the way he has been for the last few years. It's, I just feel like we haven't had an honest conversation about Pep Guardiola for a long, long time, because he has that little bit of charm about him. But, like, he's also done, like, you know, Pep Guardiola has taken the soup at every opportunity. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, is it's this? True
2: you're right you know, it's, in- it's true
1: yeah what's interesting though is how I suppose people like that can be blinded by what's so you think back yeah, maybe to the dog leash Liverpool Suarez situation where again it's like very clearly there's something to be answered and they go for there's plenty of instances with Ferguson as well where he probably put certainly club interest if not personal interest ahead of yeah. maybe decency Um I don't think that's that I don't think you could level that against him as a unique and similarly, I, I don't think you'd level it against him that being snippy with things is unique for someone facing pressure. I mean, that's, as yours kind of, I think it was with Gavin last week, like Ferguson would routinely ban whoever he could if, if he felt the need to. Like very good journalist, someone like Daniel Taylor, banned, you get out, I don't like what you're saying. So that's not, you know, that's one way not to have to be snippy with him. It's not having there every day.
2: Yes. Uh, Manchester United to Qatar is amazing prospect.
3: Define amazing there, Joe. <laughs>
2: Qatar to Manchester United even. Just the, the most famous club in the world, the biggest club in the world, in no real need of finance. You know, one of the few uh, clubs that can generate the billion that they spend in transfer fees and give the Glazers a ton of money and various other things. They don't, this is not transformative money because they are the biggest club in the world. That even they are up for grabs here. And the stench that will now hang over quote-unquote, the greatest club in the world, most fabled club in the world, whatever way you want to put it, going forward would just be uh, so grim for the game. What I find interesting, All all future achievements and that this, you know, will go through and there's multi-club ownership and Philippe O'Claire talked to us about that the other night. I mean, like, whatever the the rules and regulations, but just, you know, it's the perfect Glazer (laughs) sign-off. This is what we've done. (laughs) We've made an absolute show of this thing and now the cherry on top is... We're giving you over. You're now owned by Qatar. Good luck. See you in Tampa.
3: Now, uh, yeah. allow the commenters on YouTube and the texters to come in on this because I wonder if Manchester United fans find this more palatable now than they would have previously because that they know they're up against nation states and people like Todd Bowley who are willing to throw money at teams to be successful within the Premier League. Is there a certain element that there might be fans who would go, I don't particularly want to be owned by Qatar, but maybe you have to join them to try and beat the teams around them. When you look, particularly what's happening United, across the city, at Mansell. but
2: United don't in the era of financial fair play. They can spend more than enough to compete, and also do up Old Trafford.
3: Like, is there an option that's not the Glazers? Does Jim Radcliffe come in and have enough for transformation to keep them competitive? Say? yeah, I would think so. So he's more palatable than Qatar. Then, oh, I think. I mean, oh, the, miles, the, the, yeah.
2: the list of things more palatable than Qatar is lengthy. Yeah. Yeah. This is where a boundary has got us, I think over the last few years, like because there's
0: even like this this idea that like private investment that's always been there, but football has grown as an industry massively, so obviously that private investment is going to get bigger yeah. and it's going to get and then naturally it's always going to be shady, and there's always going to be questions to it but it's like so people are always like, where's the line? where do we draw the line? Well, we draw the line simply at nation states you know so. It's With like, dodgy. <laughs> Human rights records. I think, in particular. Yeah, uh, well, absolutely, yeah, for sure. But I, I mean, I don't like. I don't think any other state is going to be buying football teams. Um, Dictatorships tend to be in the lead. Is, yes, exactly. Because I mean, can you imagine us trying to justify spending? <laughs> yeah, uh, taxpayer
3: money. You want not the City. tourism bounce that we'll get from this. <laughs> what a perspective! What a you know potentially could happen here. We're looking at the TV at the moment, right now. They own Mbappé, Neymar and Messi, effectively because they're already at PSG. And then to own one of the biggest clubs legitimately in the world, which is very different to the project the money the nation states yeah, have taken yeah. on. They've taken over clubs that have potential or you can be a hero for making them successful. Yeah. Manchester United still already have all that heritage. They've got the history of Old Trafford. You come in, you're probably doing Old Trafford up as opposed to looking at a new stadium uh, within Manchester. You want to keep all that history there. And you can't own many of the other big clubs around Europe. Like you cannot own Barcelona, Real Madrid or Bayern Munich. Manchester United is the biggest club that Qatar could potentially buy. Yeah. And they still own their plaything in Paris at the same time.
2: Well, any Manchester United fans who are thinking, oh, well, screw everything. Winning's all that's important. And how can we keep up with other uh, clubs unless we're owned by this kind of money? I mean, be very careful what you wish for, because that first league title that you win under Qatari ownership that would be sullied in such a massive way and, and everything thereafter won't feel yeah, I'm as good. Not,
1: yeah, I'm not sure about that. Okay. Not from Leicester, just from a general perspective, I don't think it'll matter. I think what Man United have and Will's touched on there that City didn't have is already a the history. established history of success that if it continues on and there's certain different guys, people will obviously talk about it more, but... I don't oh, think yeah. it'll, it's not going to be, it's never going to be as glaring as it was at, oh. like, at Newcastle,
2: I think. I don't well, think so. what, whatever, I don't what, I what, think whatever, whatever was left of the Manchester seen? United fan seen? Like you've of seen? my, whatever's left of the Man yeah. United yeah. fan in my mm. youth. Well, if, why, why if, and, and I would not, still watch them a lot. Why? And support them. What, no, no,
1: no, no, but why would that not have been the case like with the previous ownership?
2: Glazers? Like, yeah. I could kind of get my head around they were just money men looking after their own interests. Well, like, so if they
1: sell the club to someone else, like the club still is at the root of this, has no control. Yeah, And this is something I'm not even just saying it from my perspective, which obviously I have a slight bias towards. But even from a Newcastle perspective, and there's a difference between celebrating it and dealing with it. But I'm still torn on that fact that you can't expect people to abandon their club just because two other people or two other groups decide it has to change hands. It's not. That's. There's something wrong about that. Oh I mean, no! The, you know sorry. The I mean? issue
2: is with football and the way it's completely lacked any regulation. I don't like. It's yeah. the, the fans are putting in an invidious position. But I again, as the guy that has a residual love for Manchester United, I would just be like, oh, grim. As someone, grim. what are they going to do on uh, the weekend each season where the rainbow campaign is out in force? What are they going to do about uh, players? I, I mean. None openly in the male team, I don't know about the female team top of my head, but openly gay uh, players in their ranks. How do they justify any of this? It's like it's a grotesque route for the club to go down like a completely any notions of Manchester United DNA and the Manchester United way, which are 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 dubious anyway, with the Glazers and, you know, it's all just marketing. But like strip all that back if Qatar owned the thing.
1: But there's no control.
2: I understand that. That's what I mean. Like it's it's up to the Glazers. The, the, the fate of the next twenty years in the not, Glazers' hands. They're
1: not custodians of that aspect of the club. of they historical. I, I
2: know. Like the regulation well, is the problem. I, I understand. Like the way that, that we've yeah. got here is is such a pity. See how it goes though, because I mean, with
0: the new British government white paper that may or may not ever be published, there is a chance that fans will have some sort of approving. Um, I don't know how much teeth there'll be in that. But it'd be interesting to see then if if, if Manchester United fans approve this as a winning means the most. Would you have the same attitude then?
1: I don't know. I don't know enough about that. I don't know who who's who'd be involved yeah. in that. Who would be the groups? The yeah. Who would be who'd be
0: voting? Who ought it to be? season ticket holders, I'd imagine. Yeah.
3: But would. Have, I would think the Qataris would have a fairly soft touch and all that stuff, Joe, if they went in. Like similarly to and Newcastle monster. now with Saudi Arabia. Like, uh, did the Saudi owners stop Newcastle from taking part in? any of the rainbow laces and all that kind of stuff no but they like certainly would go it, in it and just it completely undermines them. it yeah it's a certain amount of moral relativism though isn't it where they would go in and abide by the English rules and the Premier League rules and the excitement for them is the potential for the team being successful uh, no no, I, I,
2: I, no I, I think it makes a mockery of the whole thing here we are with the rainbow laces but we're owned by Qatar but sure the whole thing from FIFA down hmm. same thing today like whatever it was
1: about I saw um, Adam Crafton in the Athletic tweeting about it how like yesterday and I forget the name of that player from Czech Republic is it who announced that he was gay yeah. publicly and full support from FIFA the very next day FIFA announced the global World Cup is going to Saudi Arabia so it's like, it, it, like it's not this isn't a Man United problem it's not a, it's a Man City it problem is. it's not anything but it, it's from the top down it's all oh, I understand. That, know, kind of, Liverpool are no better because they're owned by FSG, then Man United will be thrown by Qatar. What? The club is no different. The club's done nothing. The fans have done nothing. The cl- this is all things of
0: outside Okay, of but you're being very kind of, I I understand what you're saying. You've made that point. But as a Manchester United fan, I'm surprised that you're not a little bit more perturbed by this. Because whatever about Man City and Newcastle and PSG, kind of like semi not nothing clubs right they're big clubs in their own right okay but they're not winning titles they're not the biggest club in the world if i'm a manchester united fan which i'm absolutely not but i'm surprised that i i I would be with joe in terms of saying like this is a club that has built itself into being this massive club in in the world It's, it's built through like Matt Popularity. Busby and, yeah. you know, and, and everything that it meant to the people of Manchester and wider Britain and Ireland and further afield even then in the 90s and everything like that under Ferguson. It's an incredible history and it's a real history. I remember after they won the oh, what, Champions yeah. League in 2008 and I remember I remember it was the 50th anniversary of uh, Munich and Bobby Charlton was given out the medals. And I remember, like, uh, you know, I would wanted Chelsea to win that night just as a natural inbuilt thing as someone that doesn't want United to win. And then but. Like in that moment, being delighted that United won because I was saying that's a real club. But what's you know? the point and that's of that? gone, it's, it's not, gone. Gone. It's it not is gone. gone, of course it's, it's go- not. But are you not like annoyed as the United like, fans? has what, been uh, taken no, okay, away okay, okay, from you okay, sec, by an, an, an,
1: a petrostate. What does being annoyed do? It does absolutely nothing. There's well, no point. We can be realistic about it. There's no point being, I'm not, I wouldn't say that, nothing will ever stop but, if people nothing stop. stopping
0: the other way. Well of course it could. You don't think of What's fa- the, the other Super way. League stopped by fans being the annoyed? Super
1: league. League's not. God, League's like, not stopped. It's just changed around. We're in the Super League. Qatar are coming in to buy Man
2: United now. Mm. That's Wait, the if, Super if League. If you're not angry about it, I get that point. But there's no point in angry. There not be, is a point. Can you not be ca- Why? What's can can not not the ca- point? Can't cam- it could be stopped by fans? Okay, okay, no, that, no, it can't. Okay, but that's anger's personality issue. Would you not be calmly grimed out about it? He's angry right now. Quick point. It can't be stopped by fans.
1: Fans have tried to get rid of the Glazers for how long? Like but the, the fans have tried to get rid of Glazers for how long?
3: The power of it has slipped away once the Rocky Gibraltar it's issue nonsense. came up. Now once Manchester, went, nonsense. Down, nonsense. Once Manchester went into the Glazers' hands and into primarily private ownership the clubs can do very little or sorry the fans of the club can do very little about who the Glazers sell to. Yeah. And ultimately the Glazers are going to look for 6 billion quid and the Qatari money is just a good no, to them not they right could stop
0: else. it but they don't want to and here's the thing no, they, doesn't they, want they, to well we'll see we'll see how much opposition there is to this if it actually comes true I think a few people will talk for a few weeks about how this is a bad thing and then it'll be start the ch- thing will come we'll defend it why not? Why us and not them it, you know, you not, this is the world we yeah, live yeah. in in for a penny in for a pound
2: I doubt there's any perfect owners because to be a billionaire in this world generally yeah. you've crossed a few lines and, and uh, you know, indulged in some um, gymnastics of various sorts but would you not think it would be uh, kind of a cool thing if there were marches in Manchester when this sale was gone through to say, and the fans saying, no, there has to be certain But my, my point
1: on this is, right, and this is the one thing that all these other clubs that we're talking about didn't have. Man United are already beyond the realm where fans, and we'll take the fans that are, if you go globally, are so far beyond what is in Manchester, say. So you're talking about like it's such a bigger thing than what's oh, in sure. Manchester, and this is and that's not my thing, and I don't want it for a second to come across as if I'd be fine with this, but it's just the reality of it, and there's no point in kind of going. Oh, it's now the onus is on my United fans to the way it was. The onus is on whoever else countries during the World Cup. The onus is on Newcastle fans. Like that's just passing the book to the next one, on. and then they'll come for Aston Villa, and it'll be the but same this, thing. But this
0: is the start of the process. Is my point is like at the start, surely at least you can. Voice your opposition to it and say, I don't want this to happen. That's at the very least, right? And then it happens and then you deal with it and then you come to that point it's too late, then. where you're. What do you mean? It's too late. Once it happens, it's too late. That's what I mean. But once it, if you say it's not going to do anything anyway, that's at the point that you come to the acceptance form of grief or whatever, acceptance stage of grief.
1: I just don't think. I think it's, it's fanciful to say that fans can stop this if they were to,
2: so inclined. They should have a crack at it though.
1: But, like, they've had a crack at trying to get rid of the Glazers. It's done nothing, like.
2: It's not done a thing, you know what I mean? It and they'd, might they'd be easier to get rid of prospective bidders. I don't think so. Then maybe not. I look, money will win, I'm yeah, sure. I, I really don't think so. Uh, we're kind of out of time. We'll come back to that whole thing. I'd be curious to see. I mean, I, I'd be grimed out if the comment section is full of Man United fans saying,
3: get us guitar ASAP. I think it depends Doesn't where it they're. I think it will vary massively where they're from, John. Maybe. Uh,
2: so quick final few texts. Because of the world he lives in, he would know how much a comment like that would hurt Gerard. Getting slagged by social media guys is one thing, but not your peers. Low blows is somebody. And maybe Pep was preempting a pylon from the Stevie G loving England journals. We know how they would react to the greatest midfielder of all time being criticised. I'm a 40-year-old woman. I drink very little. I love going out, love the crack. I'm not in a hurry home when we go out, but I regularly feel very awkward about not drinking. It's baffling how many people comment on it. I usually just hold a drink to save the hassle. Oh my God. Well, that's... That's a grim thought, isn't it?
3: I've, I've heard of someone, Joe, who on their social media, they don't drink, but they'll hold a drink so they're not questioned as to why they're in a group of people without drinking. Yeah, Again, like, to me it seems mad, but they obviously feel that has to be done.
2: This is a move of pregnant women, pre-12 weeks territory, you know. Uh, these uh, Imagine if the GEA player played soccer or rugby debates. are tedious. Name one GAA player that turned down a professional contract from an English club or professional contract in rugby to play GEA. The grand total is zero. None of them good enough. If they were, they'd be at Leinster or in England, says Hugh. Well, obviously, they're not getting offered contracts in their 20s, Hugh. The point is, if physically gifted types like Aidan O'Shea, instead of playing rugby from the age of five, or instead of playing GA from the age of five, had perhaps pursued rugby, there's a fair chance he would have had the profile to get a rugby contract at Connacht. Obviously at 21 switching over, not possible. It's ludicrous to suggest there are not some of the best athletes athletes in the country playing GA. I would suggest. Uh, a book recommendation on all the drink talk is A Good Drinker by Adrian Childs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, talks about his drinking life in sport and BBC. Uh, spoke to Roy Keane as part of it. And Keane gave his reasons for giving up the drink. Uh, love the show. Keep it going, says Shane. I would burn my Cantona shirt. I would be outraged, says Chris in Wexford. That's what we want, burn the shirts. Uh, lads, what's That's the current night, you know what I mean? what's the current status surrounding Joe's brick phone? We don't have time for this, surely? Loads like of time. Where's where's the the phone? back to oh. it next week. Where's Someone the said we made a big
0: deal of it, though we spent the whole show on that and then it was summarily dismissed at the start <laughs> of this.
2: Column and Westmead, I will address that next week. Oh. There's been a life changing life <laughs> changing circumstance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're out of time. The clickbait way to end the show. What would you like <laughs> to say what would you like to say about the thread that will uh, envelop this YouTube video now. Cheese, do me, and Arthur not like each other? The thing is, they love each other. <laughs> only two people who love each other could argue like that. <laughs> I did
1: have to check myself in the middle that we are on radio. <laughs>
0: like, did have a of, it's like, a feel it. was the, It was nonsense that really <laughs> hurt, I have to say. Because I, I, I felt like we were having a fine debate and then Arthur made it personal.
2: See, only people who... Are secure in their relationship could argue this way. That's what's so lovely about it. Uh, that was a slight tangent. You it can didn't pod- work by the way on that. <laughs> it's your blog, <laughs> a new Joe. Oh, yeah, the visuals didn't work. Uh, slight tangent. Do we podcast this by the way? Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, Or we Do we podcast it? Uh, OTB you can find it on. daily. OTB. OTB daily. OTB daily. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure if you search, Maybe it's off the ball daily. On I'm sure if you day, search yeah. a slight tangent, it oh, you're will right. come up. <laughs> Look at you two agreeing each other again. Uh, will, thank you. Mick, thank you. Arthur, thank you. Football show on the way.